April 21, 2023, we're in Masechet If you count from the bottom of the Amud up, it's about 16 lines up, the third word on the line. Says the Gemara, if you recall, we began this yesterday. Amar Abaye, Tefilin ho'il ve'atu le'yadan. Tefilin, since they came to our hands, since we were discussing the issues of Tefilin, more specifically, Tefilin on Yom Tov, Nema Behu Milta. Let's say about them something. Let's say, explain another law with regards to Tefilin. Here it goes. Hayababa Derech Utfilin Berosho Veshakea Alav Hamav. A person was walking on his way and Shaka Alav Haman, the sun goes down. Rashi explained this is a reference to Shabbat. Shabbat has arrived. Alternatively, Tosafot explains it's Laila, it's just nighttime. It's during the week, but it's nighttime. Either way, whether it's Rashi or Tosafot, ultimately speaking, you're in a time period during which it's no longer Ziman Tefillin. It's not the time for Tefillin. According to Rashi, the problem is, as we'll see in the next case as well in this Beraita, or in this uh, statement of Abaye, is a problem of Hotza'ah and of Tiltul. You're not allowed to carry, you're not allowed to. Um, move the object from one domain to the other. According to Tosafot, the issue is um, the tefillin, if you're holding them, um, might fall out of your hand as you're walking on your way without lights at night. And as a result, uh, Abaye is going to be interested in the halacha being that these tefillin remain on your head. If it's Shabbat or Yom Tob, more specifically if it's Shabbat, um, Abaye will tell you that if you're holding it in your hand, that's going to be dere chotzaah. It's going to be the regular way of carrying. It'll pose an issue on melacha on Shabbat. If it's staying on your head, it's a done kel ahariyad. It's not in the direct fashion. And as a result, to stay away from bizayon of tefillin, to stay away, to ward us off from uh, having a neg- neglectful situation with regards to tefillin, the rabbis, Abaye, allows for the tefillin to stay on your head as you walk. Because the normal way during the time that's not Zeman Tefillin, to carry your Tefillin, is in the back, is in your hand. But you can't go back the other way and say, that is the normal way to wear it, so why am I doing that? But not on Shabbat. Well, on Shabbat, I would be carrying it. I'm not, war- I'm not wearing it. My intention is certainly not to wear it at this time, right? So the statement in turn is, Maniyah yado alehem says, Abaye, what you should do is, Place your hand on it so that people don't see that you're wearing the tefillin at this time. Ad You can do so, must do so, until you get home. That's the statement of Abaye in this first case. Alternatively, and according to Rashi, the same type of situation, according to Tosafot, instead of talking about nighttime, we're talking now about Shabbat. You're not walking on your way, but you're sitting in the Midrash with tefillin on your head still. And the day became sanctified upon you, which means to say Shabbat has arrived. A period, same statement. In such a circumstance, get up from the Midrash, bring the tefillin home with you so that you avoid bizayon to the tefillin, but make certain that you cover them. Again, Tosafot picked up on the different wording over here. The fact that the first case of Abaye talks about uh, the sun went down, it makes it appear as if we're not dealing with which the second case is dealing with. As a result, just talking about a, a nighttime, whereas the second case is specifically referring to Shabbat. The defense for Rashi in suggesting that these are both talking about Shabbat 
and nonetheless using different words, uh, is Ramban Nachmani, and his commentary in the back of the Gemara suggests uh, that when you're outside, well, how do you realize that it's uh, Shabbat time? You see, you see the sun setting. Alternatively, when you're inside, and not necessarily looking out the window, you realize that the time has arrived for Shabbat. That's why we have the wording in the second case of Kiddesh Alav Et Hayom. In other words, according to Rashi, the way you defend this question of Tosafot, Tosafot questions Rashi, both of these cases, whether you're walking on your way or sitting in the Midrash or referring to Shabbat's arrival, so then why isn't the wording the same? Why does the first case say the sunset? The second case says, and the day became sanctified. Just say the day became sanctified in both or the sun set in both. It's because Diber It's because Abaye is talking about the regular circumstance. When you're walking outside, you notice that Shabbat has arrived because you see the sun setting. When you're inside and you don't see the sun setting, well, how do you notice? You realize, Kidesh Alavatayom. You realize that the time has arrived for Shabbat. That's the statement of Abaye, though. Abaye's statement is in order to permit, for our purposes, we'll focus specifically on Shabbat, in order to permit. On Shabbat, the carrying of the tefillin, whether one from one domain to the next, or in Rashut Arabim, in the public domain, four amot, six feet, the hachamim stated that as long as it's on your head, that's called kilaharyad, it's not the regular fashion of carrying tefillin, bizman she'eno tefillin zeman, during a time that's not tefillin appropriate time, you would normally have it in your hand, leave it on your head, but cover it so that the onlookers don't look askance at you. Mativ Rav Huna Bere de Rav Ika, Rav Huna Bere de Rav Ika has a beraita. This beraita deals with the identical circumstance. The same situation as Abaye, and yet the law will be a bit different in this Beraita. Of course, Rava coming during the time of the Emoraim of the Gemara, last generation of Emoraim, is not and cannot disagree with a Beraita. That being the case, this Beraita will be same situation, different halacha, a direct challenge on Rava, on Abaye. Hayab Baba Derech, are the circumstances. Identical. You're walking on your way. Utfilin berosho. Tefillin on your head. Vikidesh alav hayom. This time, instead of saying shaka alav hama, this is kind of a support for Rashi. It's talking about nighttime with regards to Shabbat. Maniach yado alehin. So far, identical to the words of Abaye in terms of the law. But, ad shemagia labayit hasamuch lahoma. Instead of saying that you can walk into your home, extend your journey with the tefillin on your head all the way until your house. Statement in the Beraitas, you have to take them off when you get to a home which is close to the gates of the city. You can't continue wearing them all the way home. Similarly, if you're sitting in the Midrash, which was, as Rashi explained to us, outside of the city, you're in the Midrash, which is in an unpopulated area, and as a result, a disregard for your tefillin in that place is dangerous. The fact that you're leaving them there unattended to might in turn mean that they'll be ruined, stolen, or disregarded. What's the halakha? Maniach yadu alehim ad. Now the words of Abaye were, shemagia lebeto. Again, the words of the Beraitar, ad shemagia labay tasamuch. Until you get to a home which is close to the Beit HaMidrash. Interestingly, and in a, a difficult way, the Beraita then, which Rav Huna cites, 
uh, goes against the Pesach Halachav Abaye. Abaye permitted the extra many or few minutes of wearing those tefillin, albeit kelaharyad, all the way until your home to make certain that you safeguard the tefillin. But this Baraita says we're all interested and very concerned about bizayon of tefillin, but to a certain extent. Take them off when you get to the Baita Samuch Lehoma. Take them off when you get to the Baita Samuch Lebeta Midrash. How then can or did Abaye go and run counter to this Beraita? Answers the Gemara initially, La Kashya. There's no contradiction over here. Had Mintera, Had La Mintera. When I lived in Yerushalayim for two years, two of the years I lived in an area when I was single called Me'ashe Arim. Me'ashe Arim is heavily populated by people who belong to a group known as Niture Karta. Karta means city, Niture means guardians. Uh, they envision themselves and see themselves as those who are guarding over Yerushalayim for one reason or another. Mintera means to guard. So as a result, in the Gemara over here, it's a lakashya had de mintera, had de la mintera. The question is, the home which is close to the city, the home which is close to the Beta Midrash, in the case of Abaye, was not guarded enough. It wasn't a safe enough space. That's why Abaye permitted wearing the tefillin all the way until your home. Uh, in the Beraita, it's a different situation. The context is different. That home is safeguarded enough. It's warding off, I don't know, dogs or robbers. So it says the Gemara, the Beraita then, is not contradicting Abaye. They're just dealing with different realities. Is that city, is, is that home that we refer to a safe space or not? In Abaye's circumstance, it wasn't. In this Beraita, it was. If it is, contrary to your inclination yesterday, uh, Nathan, you'd have to leave it at, the, at, the, at that home. Even though it's going to be on your mind that you want to get it after Shabbat, if it's a safe enough home, we're going to say that you have to take it off over here, over there. Says the Gemara, I de la mintera, a very nice explanation. Perhaps we can accept it, we just have an issue. I de la mintera, mai irya berosho, if you're dealing with a situation where the home is potentially safeguarded, where it's a safe space for your tefillin, why is the case that we talked about in the Beraita that Abaye was referring to, that the tefillin were on your head already? After all, that's what we talked about. The reference, the statement and situation is one where the tefillin are already on your head. Even if the tefillin are strewn on the ground as well, name means as well, ara means ground, you should also have a permissibility. Pick them up put them on your head and your arm, and wear them to the safe space. Why is it that we talked about permissibility specifically and only where the tefillin are already on your head? After all, we have a Mishnah which teaches explicitly, a person who finds tefillin. Finding them means they're not on you already. You should bring them with you into the residential area, into the safe space, Zug, 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 Rashi explains, is a reference to the pair of tefillin that we have, the tefillin shel Yan and the tefillin shel Rosh. In other words, the description over here is you found many pairs of tefillin strewn on the ground somewhere, out in some unguarded area. What are you supposed to do in such a circumstance? What you should do, even though it's Shabbat, is put on one pair, walk in, and place it in the safe space. Walk back out, put on the next pair. 
walk in and leave it in the safe space. Who said you're taking possession? When you put on clothing, it's taking possession. Only if you have kav- only if you have kavanah, not. Uh, so the circumstance over here then is one in which, even though it's on the ground, it's not already on your head. You're not only permitted; you're supposed to be putting it on your head in order to enter it into a safe area. How come up? Correct. The wearing of the tefillin for one of two reasons is not an issue. Either wearing tefillin on Shabbat and Yom Tov was never asur. It's lav zeman tefillin, the Gemara and Eruvin and Dafsadivav told us. Doesn't mean it's a time that's asur. You might recall we read those words in Tosafot yesterday, in Dibura Matkil Hachekamar, in those parentheses. Nihi de Shabbat v'yom tov lav zeman tefillin hen, mikomakom leka isura lahanihan. The words of Tosafot explicitly were, even though it's not a time appropriate for tefillin, uh, it's not forbidden to put them on. It's not a time which, which, uh, which commands me, which mandates that I be wearing them. doesn't mean per se that it's forbidden. It is true, however, we discussed Tosafot in Sanhedrin and Zadivav, Shohan Aruch and Siman Lamed Aleph, forbade wearing tefillin on Shabbat, Yom Tov, and even Hol HaMo'ed. But that notwithstanding doesn't mean that if I'm wearing it not in a way of mitzvah tefillin, I'm wearing it in order to safeguard it, as permitted. I'm wearing it as if it's jewelry. I'm wearing it as if it's just something which is being placed on my head uh, as uh, instead of, or together with my kippah, together with my shirt. I still want you covering it because of what people see. No question. But ultimately speaking, then, the Gemara has questioned Abaye. Abaye, why have you been so particular and so specific that the tefillin have to be on your head? Even if the tefillin are strewn out, I should be able to pick them up and enter into the city or enter into the safe space together with them. Says the Gemara, Lakashya will go back to that Beraita, which contradicted Abaye and fine-tune it a little bit more. Instead of suggesting that the Beraita was talking about the home which is guarded, and Abaye's case where it's not guarded at all, uh, it needs to be a little bit more nuanced, a little bit more detailed. The circumstance and situation of the Beraita where the tefillin, which were worn, are brought to that home close to the city, is a situation where the home is fully guarded. What do we mean by fully guarded? Neither robbers nor dogs have any access or entrance to these tefillin. As a result, says the Beraita, stop over there, take off the tefillin in the home next to the Midrash, in the home next to the gate of the city, and leave them there. There's nothing to be concerned about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, when there's an Eruv, you can carry. At night, uh, so, so uh, interesting, so, but, but then you wouldn't have these sorts of issues. In other words, with them falling, so then you would wear it all the way to your home, we assume. Also, you're saying, to, yeah, in one second, Jesse, you're saying, according to Tosafot, that the whole issue in the first place is the falling, we would also minimize how much time, maybe, maybe. I mean, the, the, the focus here, though, is not on the night, uh, per se, it's on Shabbat. The Beraita that we're citing is all about Shabbat. Uh, so if there's an Eruv, we have no, hold it in your hand. Um, you know, then there's no carrying issue. Says, says the Gemara, la kashya, 
The situation of the Beraita is where that home is fully guarded. Ha, the situation of Abaye is alternatively again, it's guarded mehamat kalbe. However, it's not guarded from thieves. In other words, I assume something along these lines. There's a door, but it doesn't have a lock on it. As a result, human beings can walk in and just grab those tefillin, but dogs can't just come in. It's not open to all the elements. As a result, in the case of Abaye, Abaye says to leave it in that home, not okay. Why not? Perhaps you would say, I don't know if this is a general statement, or in Jewish populated areas, the majority of bandits and robbers will be Jewish. Let's assume it's in a Jewish populated area. And as a result, they're not going to shamefully handle the tefillin. They might steal things, but to handle tefillin in such a fashion, they wouldn't do that. That's Abayez Hidush for us, that even though the place is specifically a problem with regards to thieves, and thieves, the majority of them over here are Jews, nonetheless, says Abayez, don't take off your tefillin and leave them in the home which is close to the Midrash, nor in the home which is close to uh, the city, in each case, as it were. Rather, you wear them all the way to your home. Because his situation gives provides protection from dogs, but not from the thieves. How did that answer the question of the tefillin being strewn out on the ground? How did it address that issue? Seemingly did not. Take a look at the bottom Rashi over here. Remember the case of Abaye, where he permitted wearing the tefillin all the way to your home. There was no protection in that home close to the Midrash, close to the city from thieves. The Ashmi'inan Abaye, and Abaye is teaching us, the Ho'il. And since, since it's not protected from thieves, since they're on your head, you can wear them all the way home. However, However, explains the Gemara, explains Rashi, According to Abaye, were you, and you do, find the tefillin on you, but if you found them on the floor, and it's an area which is protected from dogs, to the extent that we permit carrying it on Shabbat so that you provided protection, we would draw the line there. In other words, in a circumstance, let's try to play this all out, where there is protection from from dogs, in other words, there's a door on, on, the, on the entrance, it's blocked, but people can enter. In such a circumstance, the tefillin are on the floor or on the table, you can't pick them up, you leave them be. But maybe they'll be robbed, maybe they'll be handled wrongfully, place something over them, make certain, but you can't be carrying, you can pick them up and put them on the table. You can't bring them out uh, to Rashut Rabim. you can't carry in Rashut Rabim, nor can you transfer them, even Midrabanan. In a circumstance, alternatively, where they're already on your head, in the identical situation, there is protection from uh, dogs, but there's no protection from thieves, they're already on your head, carry them all the way to your home. What about a situation where there's no protection at all? 
neither from dogs, there's no door, nor from thieves. That's the case we had in our middle Beraita. Our middle Beraita said if you found the tefillin strewn out, you can pick them up and bring them with you. That's a situation where there was no protection at all. Lastly, the Beraita which we had, which said, stop and leave them in the home which is close to the city. Stop and leave them in the home close to the Midrash. That's talking about a situation where there's full protection in that home, both from uh, dogs and even from thieves. It means we have three types of situations. Each one poses specific problems and in turn, uh, corrective uh, situation, uh, corrective ways of, of dealing with it. But Abaye is not running counter to the initial Beraita, nor to the second one. That's how we resolve this issue. You would have thought to say, I know it's, it's foreign to a person who's ethical like you, but you would have thought to say that since they're Jewish and the thieves are primarily Jewish, they wouldn't touch the tefillin. They steal much, not tefillin. Yaharam, the your ah is Abaye. Abaye says, not true. Abaye says, I know many Jews, and I know they'll even act shamefully to the tefillin. That's why Abaye says, wear it even to your That's the Kamash Ma'lan. The Beraita. The assumption is the bit. The assumption has to be that the bit of midrash is not protected. The sit, the home close to the midrash, the home close to the city. That's where you have the protection. That's why you're wearing it out of there. Keep in mind, the midrash is in the middle. The midrash is outside of the city, right? Okay, hadran alach besa. Um, we finished the first Perik, we're on to the next. The next Perik, the second Perik, Perik Yom Tov, second chapter of Masechet Betzah, starts us with <coughs> a law which is uh, very familiar to most, if not all of us. We just, hopefully all of us, practiced it if necessary. On the past holiday, it's called the Halakha of Eruv Tavshilin. And the circumstance, the situation is that it's Yom Tov, which is followed by Shabbat. And cooking, of course, is permitted on Yom Tov. It's the pasuk we mentioned at the end of Parashat Bo. And uh, as a result, as your wife, as you are cooking on Yom Tov, the interest, particularly and specifically once upon a time when you didn't have refrigeration devices, but even today, when that's the cooking time and it'll be fresher for Shabbat, I'd like to cook on Yom Tov, lesorich Shabbat, for the meals that I'll have on Shabbat. It's one of the 39 melachot I can't cook on Shabbat. Can I cook from Yom Tov into Shabbat? From the Torah, the Gemara in Masechet, Pesachim and Daf Memvav makes clear, that's permitted. No issue whatsoever from the Torah for one of two reasons. Rabbah's reason there on Daf Memvav again in Pesachim is uh, what's known as Ho'il. Since when you cook on Yom Tov, Ho'il, since when you cook on Yom Tov, guests might come later in the day unexpectedly. Honey, did you realize they were coming? I didn't know. Do you have food for them? Sure, I made extra food because the mindset perhaps was for Shabbat, but since they might come on Yom Tov, says Rabbah, that permits from the Torah cooking on Yom Tov. That's the statement of Rabbat called Ho'il. Since guests might come, it's permitted even on Yom Tov for Shabbat. Alternatively, Rav Hasta, if I'm not mistaken, disagrees with Rabbat, says you don't need something like that. Sorche Shabbat na'asim biyom tov. You're allowed to cook for Shabbat on Yom Tov. We look at it almost as Kedushah Hat. 
we see this as one domain, you're cooking on Yom Tov, can be with the mindset, without any issue, for Yom, for Shabbat, from, according to the Torah. That all notwithstanding. By extension, certainly, min ha-Torah, this is all min ha-Torah, by extension, absolutely. Uh, but the question then is, so then what are we talking about when we refer to Eruv Tafshilin? And the answer to that is, this is all Midrabanan. this is a rabbinic enactment, this is the Hachamim sphere of something. And we're going to have to figure out in a few moments exactly what they feared. We'll see two, two opinions in the Gemara with regards to what the purpose fundamentally and primarily of Eruv Tafshilin is. Why is it called Eruv Tafshilin? What does it have to do with Eruv? Hanambam writes uh, that perhaps it's similar to what we do or was once done in many circumstances, rare, more rare today, which is called Eruv on Shabbat when you have an Eruv Haserot, when several courtyards open to one area, even though Min HaTorah they could carry from their courtyard into that area, uh, we rabbinically speaking have everyone come together, place all their food in one place to say we're really all one possession, one property, similar to this. The idea is the mindset is shifted through setting aside food. Says Harambam, that's the purpose, that's the reason for this Eruv. Anyway, for calling it Eruv. Says the Mishnah, Yom Tob Shehaliyot Erev Shabbat. That's our situation. It's Yom Tob, which is um, taking place right before Shabbat. Lo yevashel batechila mi Yom Tob le Shabbat. You may not cook Batechila. Batechila is a hard word to translate. Tehila means beginning. Miyom Tov le Shabbat. No cooking at the beginning for Yom Tov for Shabbat. At the beginning. Rashi at the top. Lo yevashel batechila. Lihiot tehilat bishulo ve'ikaro l'shem Shabbat. Ela l'shem Yom Tov. So Rashi's translation of that word batechila means the initial purpose of your cooking, right? Tehila means beginning. What's your beginning thought on this cooking? So, lo yevashil batehila, Rashi is translating that word. Your mindset, your initial mindset can't be that I'm cooking for Shabbat. Your initial mindset should be that I'm cooking for Yom Tov. Again, Yom Tov shehaliyot erev Shabbat, lo yevashil batehila mi Yom Tov le Shabbat. Aval, what is permitted, even without an eruv tafshilin, mevashel hu liyom tob. V'im hotir, hotir le Shabbat. Period. What is permitted to do is to be mevashel for Yom Tov. To cook with the expressed purpose and mindset, initially and throughout, of Yom Tov. V'im hotir, and if there's leftover, so hotir le Shabbat, you can have that food on Shabbat. This is not what we're talking about when we say Eruv Tavshilin. When we say Eruv Tavshilin, we're not cooking for a Yom Tov meal. We're cooking. What's your menu for Shabbat? And I start that menu and cooking it then. This is talking about I'm cooking my Yom Tov meal. I have chicken, I have some meat, I have some whatever, but I, I, maybe I make extra. Now, in such a circumstance, permitted the extra to eat on Yom Tov, on Shabbat, even without an Eruv Tavshilin. Rashi, quoting from the Gemara, writes, Aval mevashelu liyom tov ubelo ha'arama, he writes at the second line, kiddekatane lekaman. You can't do what's called ha'arama. Lihiyot arum means to be sly, as the Torah describes the nahash at the beginning of Bereshit. You can't be sly, you can't in your mind say, I'll cook all this extra. 
with a wink, really for Shabbat, but you say it's for Yom Tov, not permitted. What you can do, we learned this already, we'll see it again in Daf Yodzayin, is have a very large tray, a very large pot, and throw in as much as you want since you're cooking for Yom Tov, it's called Marbebish Yaurim, you can add on to it and allow for that to be for Shabbat. All of this, again, is without Eruv Tavshilin. With no Eruv Tavshilin, I don't know, before you realize, before you, well, you forgot to do it, what you can and may do is, I'm cooking for a Yom Tov meal, do a very large tray, a very large pot, put in as much as you like, and whatever's left over is okay for Shabbat. Because the sneaky part is, if I have a set, it's a good question, it's still sneaky, um, but the idea being that, and we'll have to discuss you know, how this works mechanically, but the idea being that I distinguish between, firstly, how it looks, secondly, what I'm doing. I have two separate pots, you're telling me this pot is for Yom Tov, and that's for, oh, also Yom Tov, give me a break. The reason you have that, alternatively, it's one large pot, so it's got Yom Tov, and it's got Shabbat stuff in it, but it's, it's Yom Tov. That's not batahila. That's not batahila. That's not haramai. As far as you go, where we guess using the same item in bigger quantity? No. Minha Torah. Minha Torah. You could do as many pots as you want because guess mine come. This is even midrabanan permitted provided it's only malbebish yaurim. Everything we're addressing in this Mishnah. Correct. Just, just, just in case and because guests might come. Correct. Continues the Mishnah. Uh, it says, uh, You can alternatively make a tavshil. Tavshil means something that's mevushal, something that's cooked. On Erev Yom Tov, on the day before Yom Tov, V'somech alav, on Thursday, or in Chutz it's on Wednesday, V'somech alav l'shabbat. You can lean on it, you can use it for cooking uh, for the purposes of Shabbat. No, no, no. This is what we're referring to. I made food on Wednesday with the mindset of Shabbat, and I can now use that as my reason to... as my reason to permit cooking on Yom Tov for Shabbat. What's the mindset? What's the logic? This began my cooking. On Yom Tov, I'm only continuing my cooking for Shabbat. In that situation, again, for one reason or another, which we'll have to address in the Gemara, the rabbi said, doesn't look wrong. It's not inappropriate. That's okay. You started your meal before Yom Tov. You designated and made clear that you're interested in a Shabbat meal. Whatever they were nervous about uh, beyond the Torah's laws is dealt with and alleviated through preparing this Eruv Tavshilin. Again, we're missing some details. We don't even know what they were nervous about. Once we know what they were nervous about, we can understand why when you made the food before the Yom Tov, it's okay now to use on Yom Tov to cook for Shabbat. So again, How does that Tavshil need to look? What sort of Tavshil, what sort of cooked product is it supposed to be? There's a mahlok and a dispute between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. How significant does that cooked product need to be? Does it need to be two separate cooked products? Or is it sufficient with one cooked product? That's the mahlok between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel, without providing any rationale or reason here in the Mishnah. The Shavin, but even Beit Shammai agrees that if you were to create the following, Bidag u Besa She'alav, if you have fish, 
And on top of it, as Rashi says, they would smear eggs on top of, or an egg on top of the fish when they would sear the fish. In that circumstance, would Bet Shammai consider it one or two cooked products? After all, there's the fish. The eggs are really just to go on top of the fish. The halacha in such a circumstance is shavin bedagu betashialav shen shenet tavshilin. Even Bet Shammai would agree that's sufficient for eruv tavshilin. We'll consider that two tavshilin. Again, la halacha we don't need to really address. This, this is Bet Shammai, but according to Bet Shammai, uh, in, in your words, a batter of sorts could or should be permitted. Correct, 100%. Uh, we'll get into some of the details as to why it looks the way it looks today when we get to the Gemara. At this point, it appears as if, and, and, and it will stay that way, believe it or not, it has to be something, any cooked food. We'll, have to, we'll want to address, well, why do we have a baked food as well? We use a matzah or a bread or something like that. Why do we do those two? The Mishnah is telling us, according to Beit Hillel, just one cooked item, whether it's an egg or fish or chicken or whatever it is. A hundred percent. Says the Mishnah in, in concluding these words, Achlo o she'avad. What if the person were to then take that eruv tavshilin and then on Yom Tov eat it or it gets lost and you're not going to be able to enjoy it on Shabbat? Lo yevashel alav You can no longer on Yom Tov cook with the expressed initial intent of a meal for Shabbat. You lost your eruv tavshilin, it's gone. Uh, that's it. You lost your opportunity, rabbinically speaking, to be cooking. But if you left a little bit, I ate most, my son ate most of it. My daughter was snacking on it, but I caught her before she finished it. There's a little bit, half an egg, a quarter, there's a little bit left. So that's still sufficient to say, I have the meal that I started beforehand. It's enough now to say, I'm continuing that with my cooking for Shabbat. On Yom Tov. Okay, again, as, as I uh, promised in the Gemara, what we'll need to deal with is the reason for this and then many of the ramifications with regards to how this halakha of Eruv Tavshilim plays out. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen.